Hey, Senda. Hey, Phil. Do you want to do a grab bag for November? (laughs) Yes, it's been so long since we did a grab bag. Grab bag episode. (laughs) Cue music. And welcome to another episode of Pandas Talking Games. I'm one of your hosts who's going to answer three questions tonight, Phil. And I am your other host who's also going to answer three questions tonight, Senda. To be clear, they are the same three questions. <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, so a couple things. If you are relatively new to the show, uh, one, uh, we continue to remain unedited. Soon I'm going to not talk about In 2021, I'm not going to talk about that because that's just how the show is going to be in 2021. Right. We um, will just have changed. Unscripted and unedited. Yes. Um, so that's first thing. Uh, that is what it is. Uh, second part is uh, we are going to do a grab bag episode tonight. Which we have not done one in months. So in case you are new to the show, Senda, what's a grab bag episode? So grab bag is where we take multiple questions, usually two to three, and we just kind of answer them all short form, right? Like bing, bang, boom. Yeah. Um, sometimes there are questions that just require a uh, short answer. Like, you know, we're not able to really pull a whole episode out of them. Uh, in the past, in the pre-COVID times... Grab bag episodes were shows that we did before we were leaving for a con. Yes. We would do them as an extra show because we don't script grab bag episodes. We just do the questions off the cuff. Now we just do whole shows like that. Yeah. (laughs) But a grab bag was almost always the sign that we were either leaving for a con or coming back from a con. Like if a grab bag showed up, we were not around. Um, yep, because it was our record an extra show because we were not going to be editing or recording while we were traveling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because that is folly. Yes. <laughs> there were a couple of times we learned that lesson early on, I think. I think, yes. Like, one or two times you tried that, <laughs> and it was, was like, it. this is dumb. This like, is not happening. <laughs> there was also one or two times where we attempted to be like, oh, while we're there, we'll record the For audio. No. 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 So we got out of the habit of that and we got into the habit of uh, the week or two before we were leaving for a con, we would double up and record two episodes and one of them would inevitably be the grab bag. But it, the grab bag is just a fun way to clear topics that are also ones where we're like, mm, I don't know if we could do a whole show about it, but it's a good, like, it's a worthy topic good. for discussion. Yes. Yep. And inevitably one of them is funny. Right. Usually. Usually. Usually the last one. Usually the last question. No, uh, what you call it? Premonition? I'm just saying. (laughs) Foreshadowing? Foreshadowing is maybe a good way to put it. (laughs) So with that, um, I don't think there's any other announcements we need to make. Um, As far as the recording of the show as we head into the holiday season, uh, we're pretty much still just going to do it. Um, Yeah. We're just going to do it. If if we get into a situation, we can always do two at once. Remember when we used to always do an A show and a B show? Oh, those were long nights. Those were uh, long nights. But we'll, we'll sort it out or we'll let you know on Twitter, etc. Um, yeah, I think gonna if we're going to wind up with anything, it will it would be closer. It would be like closer to Christmas or something like that. Yeah, but I don't, I don't know. I don't we'll think see. we'll miss anything around Thanksgiving. Probably. 
No, I, I don't foresee we will because I'm not going to be on the road. Sometimes I don't like to do it because I was like on the road and recovering. Yeah, you like were driving. Monday. Yeah, you're not. But not. Because we're anyway. all shut down. There's no Thanksgiving parties happening here. <laughs> we're all locked down. Okay, so cool. Um, then why don't you tell us um, uh, our first question for tonight? Sure. Yeah. So our first question is from David R., um, who is AD and David on Twitter. That's funny. Um and uh, David asked, how do you get players to provide more of their character's background and personality when they're used to just providing the characters um, I'm going to replace with species and class? Yeah, no, that's great. Um, so in this case, you know, this is a case where um, maybe from I'm, I'm just and I'm just going to infer a few things. Right. So maybe uh, these players aren't accustomed to playing games with deep backgrounds or maybe they're just kind of playing like they started playing casually and they're just, you know, like they grabbed like either pregens or whipped up some characters and played and didn't really get into backgrounds. And and that now you want like you want to have um, deeper, richer character backgrounds. Uh, and, the, and the reason so from a GM side, right, the reason we like uh, we like character backgrounds is we're as GMs always looking for elements that we can reincorporate into a game. So if you tell me about a village that you grew up in or an uncle that you had, like those are things that I could potentially reincorporate into future stories that is going to build emotional investment, right? Like that's why we're in, that's why we GMs are like, Oh, you know, we want some background. Give us the juicy background about your character. Yeah. On the flip side, like, what do you think? Like, what do you think background does for players? So I really enjoy it because I think that it gives me an immediate place to start with a character, especially when um, it's a character that's brand new to me or even when it's not. But it's just, um, you know, it, it, it tends to feed how a given character would react in a situation or how I can tailor those reactions and um, gives me a good basis for getting that emotional connection into a character and through them to the world. Um, sure. That's how yeah, I that makes see sense. It. Now, having said all of that, I think there is something we do probably need to mention, which is I am like completely all for getting people into having a rich backstory and all of those things. But I think that we have to mention in here somewhere that there are people for whom that's not the fun that they're getting out of gaming. Like, if you have people who are in it for the mechanical, the little bit more like um, war strategy aspects of gaming, if they want to do, you know, peeps on map, and that's like doing the peeps on map and, and having the rules mastery and, and knowing exactly how to flank everything at all times, if that's the joy they're taking out of it, then maybe they don't actually care. And to be entirely honest, if that's what not what people care about, right? If like, if, the, if they're focus is on that success in a strategic way having a backstory is going to be an uphill battle for you because they're not gonna care right it's just not where they're getting their joy out of it now having said that i get immense joy from making a character background and there are definitely people who have been playing very strategically and this is how i got into it right that they just haven't either realize that they could go that way or they haven't been in a situation where they were encouraged to or it was safe to do that kind of thing or they didn't even know how to approach it. So I think that the tips that Phil was saying and that we will continue to talk about um, are very much for the people who fall into that category. But, you know, we have to kind of put that caveat on there, right? That like y you can't drag people kicking and screaming away from the thing that they're enjoying into a thing that they don't know if they enjoy or not, if they're not into it. 
Yeah, absolutely. So the um, I, I'm glad you I'm glad you mentioned that because it actually is a it'll be a running theme with our second question. Yeah, um, yeah, it will. as well. <laughs> so and this really goes to um, this really goes to a larger topic that I think we will spin out a future episode on somewhere in the future. Um, of course, our future episode would be in the future. Um, <laughs> really? <laughs> we'll spin out a future episode that will appear somewhere in the past. Good luck finding wow. it in our catalog. Oh, um, good. Uh, shove it through the wormhole, will you? Right. Just see no. where it ends up. <laughs> so I guess my point is, there is a discussion. So there's two parts to this. There's a introspection that one as a gamer should do about what is your fun in role-playing. Yeah. Like you need to, as a player, understand what your fun is and what's not fun for you. And then you need to be able to convey that to others. Right. And, and, and it's through that, that you'll come to understand things like maybe background's not a big deal for you as a player, but if it helps the GM putting together a simple background is, you know, um, what, you know, it is, you know, helpful then to the GM and it's fine. You'll do it. Um, Maybe you don't like games that are, you know, have rule books two inches thick or whatever, like whatever your preference, whatever your fun is like, it's an important thing to understand as your as you as a gamer and as a GM, and then to be able to kind of not only communicate that to the group, but also as a group, how do you sync all those things up? Future episode. Okay. Future episode. That said, we're going to assume that no one is openly... Um, repulsed by the idea of coming up with yes. backgrounds and that yes. more likely they're just not familiar yes. with how to do it. Yes. Okay. So um, if we do that, I'm going to say that my favorite tool for this is uh, originally from, I learned it from the Amber Diceless role-playing game back in the nineties, which is the 20 questions. Now don't hold yourself to 20 it could be five, it could be 10, whatever. But the idea is that you come up with a list of questions and you just go around the table asking all the players. And they can be, um, they could be about the world, they could be about their past, they could be about each other, they could be about just something about their character, like, you know, like, how do you dress? Um, you know, what do you think of the, what do you think of the, um, what do you think of the struggle between the orcs and the humans at the, you know, like in the valley, like those, like whatever it is, like you just, you kind of pick out like a bunch of questions um, that'll be somewhat helpful for you, like in terms of mining it for good material for reincorporation, yep. um, but also a mix that will also get players to kind of think about themselves or think about the situation they're in. And then you just do that as like a session zero or session point five kind of thing, like after they have characters, but before you start playing. You just like do this like roundtable questioning thing. Sure. I'm going to bring up my new favorite, which is soon to be in my hot little hands, although it does sound like they are having some issues with COVID delaying production. Um, But it will be here early in 2021. And that is Decima. I'm just going to throw it out there because that game... Um, I mean, it's 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 a mini game for world building and character creation um, and character relationships, right? So it does all three of those. I think that you could probably narrow it down if you just wanted background and personality stuff. Um, but you know, why limit yourself? <laughs> no, right. I mean, if you're if, Go if you've wild. got an, if you've got an open world kind of thing or you're building yeah. a world at the same time, that's great. Um, if you're playing with a GM who's got a world, maybe set right. up. Maybe you don't want to do 
all of well, that. Well, maybe I, or or it, or it's very easy to blend those um, the the card questions because they're very open ended into an existing world. Yeah, that, um, so that's they, they just also become, perfectly fun. They be, they become plot hooks. They're gifts to the GM. They're just plot hooks to get people involved. Um, so I, I like bringing that one up because. Um, it is super good at creating all of those relationships, um, backgrounds, and world building. Um, I actually, for me, it's almost difficult to distinguish the building of a character background from the building of relationships between characters. Um, I frequently define things about my character's background by figuring out how relationships with other characters work. Um, so it's also worth going back and listening to our episode about creating character bonds and pulling those into games mm-hmm. where they aren't necessarily, because that really is another way that you can kind of just get people talking about what their background is, because to answer questions about bonds, you have to come up with some stuff about your background. And that's just kind of the way that it is. And, and it's neat when they go hand in hand, because then multiple people can be involved in that background, right? And it gives you more strings that are tied to more people instead of a bunch of individual strings tied to just individual characters um, when you can rope in two or three or even the whole party in some level of backstory that is the best i love yeah that. absolutely yeah so yeah so um so those kinds of relationship bonds i will say another um product that's great for those that'll help with yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, not only relationship bonds but also kind of past events is backstory yeah. cards sure yeah those are great those are, those are great cards yeah. um and those are just backstory, um, and they come in different flavors. So I think there's like a generic one, but there's also like a cyberpunky one, a sci-fi one, those kinds of things. So yeah, super um, cool. So yeah. yeah, there's there's tools. So yes, so I think I think the best way to sum it up, I think the best way to get players into it, assuming they're willing and that like it, it, that it's a form of fun for them, yes, is to do a directed. Um, a guided effort. So where yes. the GM guides the discussion through questions, through cards, through prompts, something like that. Because what it does is it takes um, it takes some of the pressure off the players. Now, I will say the other thing. If your players are not um, great at on the spot. Yes. Right. So sometimes people don't like to do these like these roundtable discussion things because they feel like they're going to be put on the spot and they're not going to have a good answer. Like for the 20 questions. I used to just send those to my players like the week of the um, of the game, right? And, and be like, be "Hey, like, we're doing twenty questions." Yeah, and I, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't even, I would, I would just send it out, mm-hmm. and I'd be like, "You can send, you could answer it for me, but like, you can just like having seen the questions, right? They could work on them, like if they needed to work on them before the session, sure, they could jot they some could. notes down. And if they didn't and they just wanted to go off the cuff, then they would just ignore it and wait till the questions came up in the session, right? Like, sure. Again, yeah, no, you want to be, you want to be as accommodating as possible uh, because what you're trying to do is build a positive experience from it, right? So uh, you want to make the act of creating the background um, the least anxiety producing as possible right yes. so if people don't want to add if people don't want to ad lib give them the questions in advance they can write their stuff down and just tell it to you at the table yeah. um if and then the other thing you have to do with this right so you get the background you have to do the reincorporation right this is the loop right right you like you've asked them for stuff about their background now you got to use some of that stuff in a way that's going to make the game more exciting because what that'll teach the players who haven't done this before is that, oh, when I give an interesting background, 
cool stuff that pertains to my character comes up in the game. Right. And that, that to be clear, that doesn't mean that every family member that anyone gave you is suddenly dead or kidnapped. No, Lord, no. <laughs> Some of them, could, it could just be that your uncle shows up happy to see you and buys everybody like dinner and rooms at the inn or something. Right. But that's still, but that's still a piece of incorporation. Yes. Yep. Hmm. Okay, so just... Yeah, good point. Don't, don't murder just, a... Don't just make everything that happens to anybody in their backstory bad, because they will yeah. never give you anybody again. They'll all be orphans for forever. Exactly. <laughs> Do cool things. Have them show up when they, you know, with supplies or, you know, a respite or whatever. Oh, yeah. Or like their old mentor shows up on the scene as they're losing a battle when you're like, oh, no, I don't want to do a TPK. Their old mentor shows up yeah. sort of flashing and like, you know. Just... Exactly. It's good stuff. Yep. Okay. Good. I'm good. That's cool. a good question. I'm, I'm good. It was a good question. Yeah. yeah thanks, Dave. Okay. Um, cool. Our next question is from uh, Ryan Bolter, Lord Neptune, on the Twitters, um, who does that other cool podcast. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, his question was, uh, how, as a GM, does one direct the spotlight onto the quieter folks in your group without putting them on the spot? Inversely, how to direct the spotlight away from the less quiet folks in the group? Okay. So once again... Yeah, once again, <laughs> once again, it's worth a conversation. And this is one of those moments. Have if, I know you've seen it, Phil, but I'm going to describe this meme that went by on Twitter, right? Where someone was like, GMing advice, I have questions. And then the person was like me, prepares like Wheel of Fortune spinner board with two spots. And it was like communication. And what was the other one? Like, and, and leave the group. Oh, leave the group. Yeah. <laughs> It's like half so anyway, my. All of this is communication answers, right? Well, I, I like specialize. a dating advice show, except for game groups. I specialize in the communication part. I don't. I don't. I. I will. I will advocate sometimes will for you. leaving a group. Yes. I, I'm not afraid to use that, but I. I often believe that as long as you're dealing with decent people, a bit of communication will solve almost every problem. If you're not dealing with decent people, then, then fuck them. You gotta eject leave. them, and gotta eject go. them, or eject yourself and yeah, go. Yeah, you gotta go. Um, anyway, okay. <laughs> so let's go. Let's go on the assumption. All right. So I, I want to go on the assumption that the 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 subjects of Ryan's questions, um, these people who are quieter, they really do want to be spotlighted. Yes, because there okay. there is, and this is why we have to caveat this, right? Because there are people who derive fun from the game from not necessarily super direct involvement, right? And I've played with these people. They've been in my games. They want to be there. They're part of the game. They're doing a thing. They're rolling their turns, but they don't necessarily want to be spotlighted. I, I will tell you a worse... Um, <laughs> I will tell you a worse story. Okay. Um, I, in my more asshole GM days, were the, the kind of person who would, like, you know, I'll fix someone of this problem oh no right oh, no. like so again oh no you you you, you oh, don't no. want to fix it oh no if it no, yeah no, no, oh no 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 <laughs> right you don't want to fix these things if that's not what the person wants no. in the game yeah. now if the person is just a bit quieter or a bit shy really wants the spotlight and is at a table full of like you know Me. real hams <laughs> right like a like a table of hams who really like to just chew scenes, right? Me. <laughs> yeah. Like then, then yes, then there are some things you can do as a GM. Yeah. Um, 
in fact, everything like as a GM, you are not even remotely powerless in this situation, mm-hmm. right? Like this one of the fundamental things that almost every GM role has in a role playing game is setting up the scene, like yeah. framing scenes and framing um, the you know parts inside of a scene. So my best advice to this is. This is where you use your powers for good, <laughs> yes. right? Like the way you, you know, like you set up scenes that puts the person who wants to, that quiet person who wants to be in the spotlight. You just frame them a scene with them. So the other thing that I will say is you frame them a scene with them. And then if a louder player kind of tries to come in because uh, louder players and I, I, I fall into this category, right? Um, A, we try to be helpful, and B, we might get involved when we probably shouldn't sometimes, and it is fair for you as a GM to say, hey, let's keep this scene about so-and-so, right? Yep. Like, you can do that. You have the power to do that. And the other piece of this, and this is something that I take on as a player responsibility, um, as well as a GM responsibility, right, is that it is my responsibility as a loud player. I am very aware. Um, I just played very loudly and very investedly, and, like, I did everything in that last scene, or it was me and one other person, and we got really into it, and everybody else was watching. Cool. I'm going to shut up for at least one scene. It is not my turn, right? And so that's an important thing um, in terms of player culture. And it's something that you can kind of teach people as a GM at the table by creating specific scenes for people. And then you can you nicely, like you don't have to be mean about it, but you can just nicely say like, cool, I'm going to get back to you in a second, but let's actually let them have the spotlight for a moment. Like you could just say that at the table. Um, and that, you absolutely like, that should is say okay, that, right? And you should do that. Yeah. So, yeah. so not only hand them the spotlight, but then defend the spotlight for them, right? If someone is trying to trample on the spotlight, it is your responsibility as a GM to defend that, that time and space for them if you need to, right? Yep, I've had this. I mean, I've had this come up a lot. Um, less at my home tables because my home tables are um, one pretty used to each other, and two, they're um, about even in terms yeah. of spotlight chewing. But I find this a lot at cons. Yeah. Like when I've gone to cons, and and so the first part of it I will say is that very quickly size up your table. You'll figure out who the hams are and who <laughs> like the quiet people are. Yeah. Um, and then you, you just like, and this is like, I, whether you got to write it on a little note card in front of you, whether you just tuck it away in like the front of your brain, but you make it a point to make sure that those quieter people have their time to speak. And, and so spotlight is one thing, right? But also I will say you need to do the same things when it comes to like, if they're making a plan or a decision, mm-hmm. like you need to just be like, cool, I hear what you guys are all saying. I really want to find out what Charlie is, uh, what Charlie's thinking. thinking. Charlie, yeah. what are you, what are you thinking what right you now? Thinking right? About like this plan. Are you, are you on board? Do you have any reservations or whatever it is? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and this is, this is blatantly taking the GM role, right. Yeah. Of, 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 of deciding who speaks when and framing what scenes come up and just using it for good. Yeah. I mean, the thing that I will say, this has just been my experience, is the longer that you play with a specific group of people, the less this happens. Because the more you kind of get to all know each other and everything sort of balances out, people who 
are quiet because they are shy or intimidated tend to get less so because it becomes a comfortable and safe space to be able to speak out and they're not, you know, as nervous anymore. And I know this because I also used to be that player. I'm not anymore, but I, I used to be, right? Absolutely. And um, so this is something that tends to happen a lot more in um, groups that haven't played together a lot, whether that's a convention thing or you're just starting out with a new group or you just brought someone new in to replace somebody who left or whatever it is, right? Those are the situations in which we usually really see this. Um, if it's ongoing, for, you've been playing together for like two years and there's some poor person who is always trying to get a word in edgewise and they, they still can't, like there's probably a deeper problem in some other communication that needs to happen in terms of like just talking to everybody and being like, you really need to share the spotlight other players because I'm doing everything I can to defend this and they're not getting to talk. And it's fair to have that conversation too, right? Yeah. This is where we get yeah. back to communicating. I mean, this this is your, one of your your goals as a GM is to make sure everybody at the table is having a good time. Yeah. And um, sometimes that is about creating a space for people and sometimes like you said it's about defending that space yeah um and if a player is just um energetic and scene chewing but is but is a good player they're not going to take offense if you push them back oh yeah right like people have pushed me back i'm not offended i'm just like oh cool sorry (laughs) yeah yeah it's just i mean it's it really is um it's it's really fine. Like a good player will know. Um, like good players, and I know you do this too, right? Like if somebody is like looks like they're stumbling a little, they may want to jump in to kind of help the scene and help the person along. But sometimes, if that person's just like a little slow to come up with ideas and they're working on it or whatever, like sometimes they don't really need somebody to jump in. So it's going to be like your line call as a GM, like whether you want to um, like defend the space or you know or be like oh hey like do you want like do you want senda like you know do you want senda in this scene with you or like right. have senda arrive in the scene in the next minute or two yeah cool okay great you know like that's a th- like it, yeah it, it's an option but it can be their choice it needs to be their choice yeah. if 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 you if you what you're trying to do is take somebody who is quieter and giving them a voice then you need to like let them kind of like you need to get from them what they need out of the scene. Like maybe they don't want to be alone in a scene because it like puts too much spotlight on them. Maybe what right. they really like is they want to be in a scene with them and one other player because uh, then they could speak up, but there's still like somebody else there. Yes. Like that, yeah. They don't feel like they're alone trying to figure everything out or whatever it is. Yeah. Now I will say this. If you are a player. Yeah. Right. Learn what your comfort zone is. Right. Do you do you want to be a leader type? Are you you know, like what kind of gamer are you? And there have been many, many articles like way back in the day. um, Robin's Laws had like a like six of these different player types, like the drama, like the drama queen, (laughs) whatever. Right. Like the the tactician, um, (sighs) like all of those things like those. I think kind of those are a bit dated, but I think that there's still some value to them. But as a player, like come to understand, like. Because you'll help your GM greatly. <laughs> you'll help your GM greatly if you're able to say to them, like, look, I know I'm really quiet, 
but I really like just kind of being like a secondary character or the second person in a scene or whatever. Like I'm not really a spotlight person. Like there's no shame in saying that. Yeah. If that's, if that's how you, if that's where you get your fun. Yeah. Um, there's no problem saying that to a GM because the GM will be like, cool. Cool. And then they'll use I can do you that. <laughs> to pull you into other scenes. Right. Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. But if you're like, oh, I really, really want to do this. I just like I'm so intimidated because everybody's like such good role players or something. And you say that to the GM, the GM's going to make that space for you. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that pretty much covers it. I will say somewhere back in our archives, <laughs> um, there is an episode that is completely about spotlight and sharing spotlight. Mm-hmm. And I also know that in um, one of our recent player advice episodes, we actually talked specifically about from a player perspective, how do you share spotlight and bring people in? Because I also would say, um, like, it's important as a GM to do this. I think that it's also important as a player, especially as a loud player Um at the table, I do see it as part of my responsibility also to make sure I'm not stomping on people, right? Sure. I'm going to tack one more thing on, which yeah, is yeah. group composition, yeah. right? And I and I bring this up because you had a very unique experience. I can't remember if it was last Origins or the Origins before. Um, but you wound up playing in a game of Turning Point um, that was all women. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was great. Right? Yeah. And, and that may be the kind of thing that somebody needs, right? Like is like a group that um, they feel more comfortable in to go from being quieter to, um, you know, to being more, you know, center stage kind of thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think what that really is about, and this is what I was saying with like people you've gamed with for a long time versus people that you're just sitting down with at a convention table, et cetera. Right. Like for a, a lot of folks, levels of shyness are going to be very much affected by how comfortable and safe they feel to quote mess up unquote at that table um and so whatever that situation is that will make them feel more comfortable um Mm -hmm. if you can produce it produce it sometimes you can't like you know i can't i can't sit down at a convention table and be like cool now we've all played together for two years like I, i can't do that Correct. But I can, um, you know, I as a GM can set precedence in terms of how um, how I introduce the game, how I introduce myself, how I, um, you know, interact with each of the players and make sure even just, you know, during introductions and that sort of thing that I'm hearing each person and that I, where everybody's getting time um, in the same way. Like there are things you can do to set up the expectations of table culture that are sort of little hidden things just about your presence at the table before you even start playing. So I will say that. And and those are like key little tiny important things that I think many of us do without thinking about them super thoroughly. But like, if you really do just think about it um, as you're kind of doing it, and it's something that I have thought about um, to some extent, just because of running convention games, right? Like the, I've done a lot of running convention games and one shots with people that I've never played with before and may never play with again. And, um, and, and so there's a lot of how do I create the table culture that I want to play with when I just walk up to that table and start. And it starts with me and it starts with exactly how I approach that table and exactly how I approach each of those people. Um, and you know, so, yeah, like it's it's one of those things that even just those tiny things at the very beginning, everything that you do 
to create a space in which people can be comfortable and trust you to do things like defend the spotlight for them if you need to. Um, everything that you do like that right up front at the beginning um, will make a difference if you have to implement that stuff. It just will. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there are, we could have a whole discussion about, but oh. there are small things, there are small things I do right down to even what I, like, what I wear. Yeah. I mean, right? like, and this is where we get into, like, and I tend to stand, right? Like, I mean, like, there's just... And I don't. Yeah, exactly. Right? Like, I, I, know. I don't. I'm a very big you person. specifically I sit, sit. To not be right? intimidating. Yeah. I stand because I don't feel like I can control a table. Correct. Right. Yeah. I, I will never stand at a table because I literally will loom over everyone and somebody's <laughs> going to be uncomfortable. But I also do things like I, I often wear uh, several uh, pride or, you know, rainbow gaming pins. Yeah. Because I want people when as soon as they sit down, um, especially because I'm, you know, I am I am, you know, cis, you know, I'm queer, but you can't tell that by looking. Right. So I'm no, I'm like cis, I'm polos. cis white middle age guy. Right. Like. <laughs> I, you you don't know when yeah. like, you don't know when you sit down across from me like which like which you know type of gamer I am. So I like you know I I have several um, I have several like gaming pride pins you know like um, rainbow d twenties and things like like and I make I like sure the, that no the the fate overcome the my fate overcome, overcome one, one right like very yes. good yeah so like I wear those I I mean in part I wear those so that when people sit down. Like, they know, like, that, you know, there's, there's a, a queer person at the table. Yeah. Like, like, in, you know, just, I don't, like, I, we don't have to get into a whole thing about it. But there, like you said, there are things you do when you set the table. Yeah. And, it's, and, and at a convention. Like, it's how you introduce yourself. Absolutely. It's, it's, if you introduce yourself and immediately add your pronouns. Yeah. Like, that is a, that, that is a big deal for, that is a big deal for people. Not everybody, but there are going to be people who, when you do it, are going to be like, oh, he said his name's, you know, Phil, he, him. Like, okay. Um, like, cool. Like, they take that seriously. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So you as a GM, that and that's just the thing. You as a GM, you are setting the table culture for your table. Mm -hmm. And it's it's all of those things. It's the little things about how people come in and how you say hi. And it's, you know, how you introduce safety tools, I think, is a really big one in yep. terms of creating and generating trust at a table quickly. Anyway, how you react probably... when someone makes how you react when someone uh, makes a mistake. Sure. Yeah. yeah like the, oh, oh, don't worry yeah, about don't it. Worry it's about fine. It. We're all just like we're here to have fun. But here's what we like. Here's the rule. Here's how that works. Like, yeah, you know, exactly. Mm hmm. Right. Okay. And That's we like could, a whole separate. We could spend a whole episode talking about the little things that we do in social situations as GMs to both um, to to specifically create the style of space that we want to run a game in. That will be a future. That'll be a good future question to put in the past for when when we get closer <laughs> to convention times again. Sure. Sure. We should probably that may be write a very that good. Down. Yeah. Maybe a very good one. Hey, yes. Bob. <laughs> when you There's listen no Bob to here. this. You should write that question. Hey, down. future Senda. I'm not listening to this again. I don't edit this stuff anymore. <laughs> All right. We have one final question. We, we promised sure it would be a little silly. It's great. What's our final question? <laughs> so our, our final question is from Alice, who is Magical Girl Matt Matt. Oh dear. Magical Girl Kira <laughs> on Twitter. 
who asked us what was up with that guest spot the Ditch Lilies managed to get on DS9. Oh boy, I just okay. saw this episode recently, actually. Yeah. So I got to unpack a little background stuff, yeah, right? Yeah. So, so people, uh, you know, if you're new to the show, you probably don't know that we are the uh, co-presidents of the Ditch Lilies fan club, the greatest '90s um, uh, alt rock all girl band that you, if Have you're in the know, yeah. you've heard of. You've heard right? of them, like, but they're the greatest alt '90s girl band that you've never heard of. Yes. Correct. Yes. Okay. So we got to, all right, so we got to really unpack this thing a little because there's some things that connect up to how the Ditch Lilies. So specifically, specifically what Alice is referring to is that if you watch the episode through the looking glass, the mirror episode, the mirror universe episode, that in Quark's. When Cisco and his crew come in, um, and this is, you know, Mirror Universe Cisco, right? And his crew come in, that in the background of Quarks, you will f- you will see all four ditch lilies. They're yes. in they are in um yeah. they are in the background. They're shop. part of his like piratey rapscallion right. crew. Yeah, yeah. But how did they get there <laughs> right. is the, is really what we want to unpack. <laughs> yeah. And to understand that, so we need to understand so. All right, we got to go back and we got to talk about uh, we got to go talk about Ashley for a bit, right? We do our lovable, um, lovable bass player, somewhat pyromaniac <laughs> bass player, right? Yes, um, a, a fashion, uh, a fashionista of of sorts, right? She's very big fashion, um, you know, loves loves her fashion stuff like that, um, and that's because she grew up in Hollywood, and her dad worked on the next generation um uh what's called set yeah so her dad it was a um is a special effects person worked on the next generation set and when she was little she was actually an extra on a tng episode as one of the kids in the background on the enterprise yeah you remember that it's that episode where um where oh gosh um it'll come back to me um they they have to use the computers in like the children's schoolroom. Yes, to, the ones where the Frankie takes yeah, over. Yeah, the, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. She's one Great of the, she's one of the kids in the schoolroom. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So Ashley's just you know like and Ashley grew, like basically grew up on the set of Star Trek. So huge Star Trek fan. So you know fast forward, she's older, right? Um, yep. And again, she was and she was tour. like I mean <laughs> now she's like you know she was like. Um, like a like an early teen in you know in the Star Trek um, episodes. Now fast forward, she's like out on the road. We're into DS Nine. Yep. And um, the the band, and this is really early on, right? This is like um, this is like shortly after they've played Seattle. Um, they're all still like some of them are you know not all of them are even uh, twenty at this point. None of all of them can even drink, and they're still gigging. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but Fake IDs will go a long. Fake IDs and pretty smiles will go a long way. Um, I mean, Lily can anyway, say wherever she wants. Right. So they're they're on they're in California, uh, doing gigs, and um, one of the producers um, from DS9 who had all also worked on TNG uh, sees Ashley. Right, knows Ashley's dad. They get a chatting. Finds out that he's working on Deep Space Nine. She's a huge Deep Space Nine fan because on the road, she's made all the girls watch. Yes, every Star Trek. Every episode. They couldn't miss it. 
Right. She was she was the one who brought Star Trek to the rest of the girls. Yes. And um, so so then she pulls a few strings uh, to get them on as extras. Yep. Right. Nothing big. No speaking parts. Just just extras in, in, in the background of, of Quarks. They happen to be filming through the looking glass and they needed a whole bunch of extras, especially humans, because they needed extra Terrans for the um, for those scenes. So sure enough, the ditch lilies wind up in the background. As uh, in, Cisco's crew, which is so perfect. <laughs> exactly. Right. So, yeah. So the ditch well, lilies on uh, Deep Space Nine. Working for Dom Kira. Yes. <laughs> Leather. Leather. Leather clad Kira. Dom Kira. Yeah. This may this may explain a few things later in the Ditch Lilies <laughs> about Michelle and Lily, but you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. There's some there's some stuff there. But yeah. So that's that's the whole story about it. That's like how you get from, you know, how you get from uh, you know, uh, Ashley is a young lady on the set of, you know, at, at Paramount on the set of TNG all the way, um, all the way back around to how they wind up, how the whole band winds up on Deep Space Nine. Right. Oh my God. Fascinating. We're such big nerds. <laughs> I love when, I love when my nerddom of Collides. the Ditch mixes with my nerddom of Star Trek and it's so small, but it's such a good it's piece. So good. And it's such a good episode. Yeah. It's like the dark fanfic version of DS9, and there they are. It's a really perfect place for them to show up. Absolutely. I mean, yes. All, of All right. Well, good. That was our third question. That's our grab bag. Hint, hint. We got a whole bunch of questions when we put this out onto Twitter. So um, November might, might have grab more bag grab bags. <laughs> yeah. But grab bags are fun. I like doing them. So Sure. Yeah. And I like doing them with you. Cool. I like doing them with you. So anyway, we should probably head out of here. And the way that we find our way out of a grab bag episode is for you to first tell us about another show on the network. Yeah. Um. Today, I'm going to tell you about uh, the Gnome cast in which a bunch of gnomes get together and chat about a thing. Sometimes a recent article that one of them wrote. Sometimes uh, we did a series that was like um, the RPG a day questions um, and we answered them. Um, and I know that there are some other cool ones coming up because I'm going to be recording some of them. So if you are not listening, you should check that out. Indeed, indeed. Hey, Senda, where do people find us on the internet? Well, you can find us on Twitter at Pandas Talk Games. You can find us in the Misdirected Mark forums, forums.misdirectedmark.com, which is also where you can find our DS9 watch parties, just in case you don't want to miss any more, you know cool cameos episodes um yeah. just just saying um or you can drop us an email panda at misdirectedmark.com and phil once they find us in one of those places what can they do with that information yeah so you know we we just like today like we put out a call for some topics and you responded when you respond we, we take them we questions. make them into episodes <laughs> um so sometimes we do grab bags out of them sometimes we do whole episodes like it's just whatever it is we need by whatever like we love your questions like we want to answer them so we'll find a way to make them happen on the show uh it's really important to us we would just sit around and talk about deep space nine and ditch lilies all day i mean obviously but um we could. but since you keep asking game questions um <laughs> we actually want to answer them right like i mean look we have a great time entertaining each other we have a great time and are hopefully entertaining you uh but 
we also want to be relevant and useful, right? We want to make your gaming experiences better. Um, and the way we do that is we take those things that are on your mind about gaming and uh, apply what we know. Um, and and hopefully hopefully we give you some good advice that you can use to uh, to make your games a better place. We should make a hack of our Ditch Lilies game that happens in space. And then we could have the Ditch Lilies in space. We can talk about that. Okay, we'll talk we can totally it. talk about that. Yeah, yeah, we're going to talk about that. <laughs> if you like what we do here or elsewhere on the Mistractive Mark Network, please consider backing our Patreon campaign. Go to patreon.com slash MMP. Patrons um, get access to our awesome Slack Room for Life, the um, epicenter of our of our um, online little collective. Um, great place to talk about recipes and food and humor and gaming and your day-to-day life. Um, if you just need some spoons, some support uh, to a good laugh or whatever, uh, it all happens inside um, our little Slack community. If you would like uh, to I mock me love for, them so much. for misspelling crew, you could do that as well. Yes, yes. <laughs> should do that as well. We'll get to that in the after show. Anyway, okay. <laughs> um, you get the bonus outtakes from the bonus outtakes slash after show of this show. You get the after show from the misdirected Mark. Uh, and there's other stuff um, in next year that maybe as we as we exit the pandemic and kind of return to normal, normal, whatever normal is going to be yeah. after this, um, there'll be things that we'll share with our community. We, we, we love you guys. And, um, you know, when energy is high and spoons are plentiful, like we like to give you stuff like we really do. Um and in the meantime, right now, where spoons are low and it's um, and it's honestly a little scary right now, um, we're huddled up. We're staying connected as a community, um, supporting one another, which um, sometimes with laughter and sometimes with compassion, things like that. Um, so anyway, it's really it is very special to me. Um, and if you were so inclined, we'd like to make it very special for you as well. If you are already backing the Patreon campaign, thank you very much. If you are unable to back the Patreon campaign, listen, we totally understand. Uh, we don't want you, you know, no pressure. This is, you know, it's a completely voluntary thing. But there is a thing you could do for us. Just a little thing that you could do for us. Helps us greatly. Uh, has been proven to work. So <laughs> now I stand by it. Uh, and supports our If You Listen to Us, You Will Love Us campaign. What's that thing? You could leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or the podcatcher of your choice. Every new review we get really does actually help new people find the show, which is pretty awesome. So uh, we super duper appreciate it. And if you leave it somewhere that we're not going to spot it, Will you tell us about it? Because it's just really heartwarming and we could all use that nowadays as everything spikes again. <laughs> um, Absolutely. We, we, could use, we could use that, that like warm, fuzzy feeling. Um, so drop us a note wherever. Um, and uh, thank you so very much to everybody who's already left a review. We really do appreciate them. They are so kind and thank you for taking the time to do it. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Say, Senda. Show me how you are going to manage the spotlight uh, in our next online game. This show is a joint production of She's a Super Geek and Misdirected Mark Productions, the media arm of Encoded Designs. Show me what you got, hey, show me what you got, show me what you got, hey, show me what you got, 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 show me what you got
Hello and welcome. Hello, I'm wearing a beret. <laughs> you are wearing a beret. Not a raspberry beret, like the kind you'd find at a secondhand store. What? Oh boy. <laughs> I feel a, like this is a song. It's a Prince probably. song. Sure. I have a pink one if that would make you feel better. By the way, did you see where Rob uh, made fun of you in Slack? <laughs> Because you spelled Motley Crue wrong. <laughs> I should not be allowed to write the show notes. Send it as baby. Probably I should not. But that's what y'all get for trusting me to write show notes. We are going to do a show because we're going to chat more on, at, the end. at the end in our little after show yes, bonus our outtake. Little, quote, bonus outtake that is unedited, so it's not really bonus anymore. It's, no, now it's after show. More. Now it's after show. Sure, sure. It's fine. So we, Good. We should get started. Sure, yes. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. Bloop. Boom, boom. Really rocking that out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, that's, again. you know, the excitement. <laughs> I wish the rest of you could see the air guitar that happened. Oh, yes. I'm a child of the 80s. That's what happens. Good. There, Carry ready? on. Yes. And welcome to another episode of Pandas Talking Games. I am one of your hosts, Phil. And I have to fix... Damn it. Oh my goodness. Alright, well we're going to do that again. (laughs) Yeah, we're going to do that again. I should have done this before we started recording. But I didn't. Oh boy. Okay, it's just that I want to be able to see you, but also talk into the mic at the same time. Okay. Sorry about there that. Try we one go. more time. <laughs> Somebody's going to do a little editing this week. Just a little bit. Just a tiny little bit. Just a little tiny. Little, little, little tiny bit. Petite. Yes. 